0: Appreciate the presence of everyone today. We've got uh, some of our members away. Uh, this is a uh, holiday weekend of course and so some are not with us. But we have several who are visiting with us today from other places. And uh, that's, uh, uh, that's a great blessing that we have, a great opportunity we have here to, to meet people from other places and to visit with them a little bit, talk with them a little bit uh, while they're here. So uh, we're glad for the presence of each one today. Going to turn to the book of Romans today and look at a passage found in in that book. And as you're turning over there, I want to remind you of a couple of things. Uh, First of all, in in Brother Mark's prayer today, talk about passing out Bibles. And so next week when the World Games are here, some of the games, some of the competitions are going to be held at the park over here. So we're going to have traffic driving right by our church building uh, on those days. And so what we plan to do is set up out here on the driveway and as people pass by offer them free Bibles. And uh, if they slow down enough and maybe make themselves available and let it be known, let us know that they would like to have one just put one into their hand. Put some study materials in there with the Bible uh, to help them uh, as, they, as they read. And, uh, and so that's what we plan to do. Now, you should have gotten, if you're a member here, you should have gotten an email uh, with an opportunity to sign up to do that. And so, there are going to be, I think, five days next week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe even Saturday, when those uh, competitions will be held. And if we can get a few people to be involved in that, well then, That'll, uh, that'll help out. We can share that uh, responsibility. And so some have already signed up. There may be spots available. I haven't looked at it in a day or two. Uh, but uh, take a look at that, and if you'd like to help out, it, would, it wouldn't be all day. It'd just be for maybe an hour, an hour and a half, or something like that. It's a very, very easy work, just handing Bibles into the hands of people who would want one. Let me mention another thing. We don't uh, mention this often enough. But I want to encourage people to listen or watch the podcast that Kevin and I do. Uh, we get good response from that. We get good encouragement, encouraging words from that along the way. But we really need to mention that more often than we do, just remind people of that. And so new uh, episode, is that the right word? New installment of the podcast usually is sent out on Thursday, Thursday morning. And so uh, take a look at that. You can access that through the website. I think there are various other, various other ways you can do that. But uh, just be aware of that and, and tell other people about it. And that would, be, that would be very very good as well. Let me ask as we begin today this question. Have you ever heard uh, someone use the expression, with great power comes what? Great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. Or you might have heard someone say, with freedom comes responsibility. And so, we live in the, the land of the free, the United States, the land of the free and the home of the brave. And, but people will say, freedom without without responsibility, well, that that's not going to work, is it? And so, with freedom comes responsibility. And so you have to govern yourself and govern your behavior, govern your action, or you're not going to be free for very long. We, we could add to that another similar expression. We might say with great blessing comes responsibility as well. With great blessing comes responsibility. As, uh, as children, did you ever hear or do you ever hear your parents sort of give, give, talk to you about, sort of say give you a lecture. I'm, I'm not going to accuse parents of doing that but have you ever had your parents talk to you about taking up your responsibility? You, we have responsibilities in life. If you don't learn to accept your responsibility and fulfill your responsibility, you're, you're going to struggle in life. things are not going to work out very well for you. And so it might be a matter of doing your chores around the house or doing your homework or, or any other task that you have to do that, that falls upon you. that's your responsibility. Parents uh, talk to their children about it. children might grow weary of hearing it, but it's a valuable lesson that we all have to learn. And not everybody learns it. Some people never learn to accept their responsibility and fulfill it. And they do struggle in life. They they have lots of problems. And those who are responsible, responsible human beings, responsible men and women, might be responsible young men and women, they thrive. They do well. And um, as a matter of fact, it's those who shirk the responsibility that find their activities restricted. Those who fulfill their responsibility have more freedom in their life. And so when we're young and and developing and growing we don't see it that way. But that's really the way it turns out. Well I could could go on and on with that a little bit having having had young children myself, having been a young child at one time myself. But we're going to talk about some other things uh, this morning. The Scriptures explain the problem with the world. Well what's wrong with our world? What's the source of our problem? Our our problem is not primarily an economic problem. Now there are economic problems, but that's not our primary problem. Our problem is not a political problem. That's not really our problem, not not really at the heart or at the core. Our problem is not a psychological problem. Although economics and politics and psychology, individual psychology might result from our problem, those are not really the genuine source or problem at our heart. And since that's not the problem, the solution to our problem is not found in economics or politics or psychology. Sometimes we think it is, but it's really it's really not. Several uh, years ago I remember uh, Dabo Sweeney who is uh, head coach at University of Clemson, or is it Clemson University I think. Head football coach over there. He's from right over here. Grew up right over here. Some of the people in the... Audience, here they, they knew his family. They, they knew him. But there was some turmoil going on in the country and they, they asked Coach uh, Sweeney about it and he said, what we got is a sin problem. They got in some trouble for that. I mean I mean, he got, some, he got some criticism for that. But, but he's right, isn't it? Our problem is a sin problem. That, that's the problem. Or we might say our problem is a relationship problem. Because we're not living in harmony with God. Sin has interrupted the relationship that we have with God. And so we have a relation living out of harmony with God and God's will. That's going to bring on all sorts of consequences. And how did we get into this this situation? Well, because of our own rebellion and because of our own sin. And now we've made a mess of things. God has provided a solution to the problem, and He's told us about that solution in the gospel. The gospel tells us about God's efforts to save lost men and women, to save the human race. The gospel contains God's power to save, Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. The gospel contains the plan of God to deal with our sin and to bring us back into harmony with God. He sent His Son to die on the cross as the propitiation for our sins. And He does this in His love and mercy and grace. And we enjoy all the benefits of this gift of grace. We enjoy all the benefits of this gift when we put our trust and faith in the gospel and obey from the heart that form of teaching to which we were delivered, Romans 6 and verse 17. Romans chapter 5 contains some of the blessings of the gospel. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you can go on to look at other blessings of the gospel as well. But in the passage we're going to look at this morning, we find the responsibilities that come through the gospel. Remember, we began by saying, with great blessing comes great responsibility. And so Paul in the book of Romans has laid out for us and explained in some detail how God has gone to great lengths to save us, to save us from our sin problem, to bring us back into harmony with Him through the cross of Jesus Christ. Now there are some obligations for us to keep. And so in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 he says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God... Because we've been brought back into fellowship with God, there are responsibilities. We enjoy the blessings. Now let's talk about the responsibilities that are upon us as a result of obeying the gospel. With great blessing comes great responsibility. Now, he's already touched on this back in Romans chapter 6. Verse 11, for example, says, Consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. You've been made alive through the gospel. And so, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. That's the responsibility of the gospel. We die to sin. We must live to God AND THEN IN VERSE 22, BUT NOW HAVING BEEN FREED FROM SIN AND ENSLAVED TO GOD, YOU DERIVE YOUR BENEFIT. AND SO WE'VE BEEN MADE FREE FROM THE BONDAGE OF SIN THROUGH CHRIST. BUT IF WE'RE free FROM SIN, WE'RE ENSLAVED TO GOD. AND SO WE MUST LIVE AS SERVANTS OF GOD. IN ROMANS CHAPTER 12 HE BEGINS TO FILL IN SOME OF THE DETAILS OF THOSE PRINCIPLES. AND SO HE SAYS IN VERSE 1, I URGE YOU, BRETHREN, BY THE MERCIES OF GOD, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect if if you read the bulletin <laughs> you, you you may have picked up on the fact that the last several weeks Articles have been taken from the book of Romans. Last week I wrote an article about Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I thought, well I I think I'll just preach on that. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2 and just cover some of those. There's not enough people that read the bulletin. These ideas need to be disseminated in a much broader way than that. So we're going to talk about these verses today. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. The the wording recalls the work of a priest, doesn't it? Present. A a priest would present an offering and a sacrifice to the Lord. Present your bodies. A priest would present the body of an animal in a sacrifice to the Lord. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's what a priest does. He sacrifices to the Lord. A sacrifice that is acceptable to God. And so the the wording, the terminology, the vocabulary recalls the work of a priest. And his work consisted of offering these sacrifices to the Lord. Sacrifices that were holy And acceptable. For example, a whole burnt offering, Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 3 had to be without blemish. And so, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice without blemish to the Lord. The life of the priest was devoted to his work as the mediator between God and the people. And he would have spent a great deal of time. uh, Just think of the time that the priest would have spent offering these sacrifices, preparing himself to offer the sacrifices, taking the sacrifices and getting them uh, in the right condition uh, to offer to the Lord. And so just think of the, the amount of time he would spend in doing that. And then his work went beyond that as well. He was involved in teaching the people and providing spiritual counsel for the people. And so his whole life really was spent in service to God as a priest. His whole life was spent in service to God. That's that's how he spent his life. And now Paul says, I want you to present your bodies, your life in service to God as well. You see in the New Covenant, all Christians are priests. We don't have a set aside group of men who serve as priests. All of us are priests. All of us offer our own offering and sacrifice to God. In 1 Peter chapter 2 in verse 5 there Peter refers to the spiritual sacrifices we offer to him you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ some of the same terminology there we all are priests offering our spiritual sacrifices to God at the end of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, find another example of the Christians as priests offering sacrifices to God. Through Him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. And so, As we go about our day, we are offering up spiritual sacrifices. When we gather together for worship, and in in other times as well, we're offering up the fruit of our lips, sacrifices of praise. And here in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, we offer Him ourselves. Present your bodies to God as living sacrifices. You see, we were dead in sin. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us we were dead in sin, but we've been made alive in Christ. We died to sin, but we were raised to walk in newness of life when we were baptized. And now we live for God, dead in sin, but alive to God, dead to sin, walking in a new life. And so present your bodies a living sacrifice. And so as we go through our lives, we're offering God our lives, ourselves in in His service. From the time that we were baptized, We are to use our bodies, the members of our bodies, as instruments of righteousness, as tools to accomplish righteousness. People that have been made righteous offering their bodies using their hands and their feet and their eyes and their tongues to accomplish, to bring about righteousness as well. And notice that the sacrifice is to be holy sacrificial animals under the Old Covenant were to be without blemish. In fact, in Malachi chapter 1 verses 6 through 8 we find that when people offered what was blemished, the lame, the blind, you know, the the inferior animals that the owner didn't want anyway. Offering those to God, God was not pleased with that at all. And so make sure that what we offer to God when we offer our bodies, we offer ourselves to Him, make sure that it's holy, it is without moral blemish. These are the elements that make our sacrifice to God acceptable, holy and living. And so just as the Old Testament priest spent his life in service to God on behalf of the people, offering sacrifices and gifts for the people, teaching them, leading them, counseling them, so we offer ourselves in continual service to God each day. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that through Christ God has opened up a way for us to have access to Him. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 20, And since we have a great high priest, oh, let's say back up a little bit, by a new and living way which He inaugurated for us through the veil that is His flesh. And since we have great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. God has through Christ, opened up a way for us to have access access to God, to present ourselves to God. He has redeemed us completely. He has redeemed us wholly. We might say He has redeemed us body, soul, and spirit. So it only makes sense then, doesn't it, that we serve Him with body, soul, and spirit. (laughs) We've been wholly redeemed therefore we need to serve Him completely and wholly as well. Get some of those ideas from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the idea. Present your bodies every day. Everything you have, everything connected with your body, present it To to God. This is our sacrifice. This is our offering to Him. Use my body. Use me in your service. And it's not something that we do from nine to five. It's not something that we begin in the morning and then we clock out in the evening. It's every day. It's all day. (laughs) Just like that Old Testament priest. That was his life. This is our life. And since God has redeemed us, body, soul, and spirit, the only reasonable response is to serve Him, body, soul, and spirit. Now that brings us to the next verse, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. And so that follows verse 1. Does That follow logically from verse 1. You see, we're to offer ourselves as a holy sacrifice. Well, we can't offer ourselves as a holy sacrifice if we're conformed to an unholy world. And so we've got to resist being conformed to the world. This is a, a really good, well, well put together sentence, it seems to me. And so he says, two things: do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How do you do that? By the renewing of your mind. And what's the result of all that? So that you may prove what the will of God is. That's a pretty good sermon outline right there, isn't it? Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed, there's point number two. By the renewing of your mind is point number three, so that you'll know what the will of God is. Point number four. So, if anybody's looking for a sermon, there you go, there's the outline. Unfortunately, that's what I'm going to do in the rest of the time we've got together. Paul says, Don't be conformed to the world. Your version may say, To the age. What does he mean, don't be conformed to the age? We might say don't be conformed to our time that might be a good way to say it maybe a language that we're a little bit more familiar with don't be conformed to our time don't be conformed to the times it refers to that period of time under the control of satan second corinthians 4 and verse 4 refers to the god of this age who has blinded the minds of some the god satan is the god of this age our times are under the control of Satan. We talked about that in our our class, our auditorium class this moment. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10 we read about Demas who Paul said, forsook me having loved this present age. He became infatuated, he fell in love with the times. And so he forsook Paul and Paul's efforts to preach the gospel. Now of course the time is coming When Satan will not be in control. And in fact, Jesus has come to uh, redeem us from this present evil age. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4 says. And then Ephesians chapter 1 and verse uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 2 talks about being freed from. Chapter 1, verse 21 says that uh, uh, Christ is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Every name that's named. Not only in this age, but the one that is to come. So there's coming a new age when Satan will not prevail. But as long as we're in this world, uh, we're living in an age that's under the control of Satan. And as a result, we are to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And so we're going to talk about what are the characteristics of our age. But just keep in mind, as we live in this age, as we live in these times, live sensibly or soberly and righteously and godly. How can this age be described? I thought about some some statements in the Bible in which a particular age or period was described. In Noah's day, the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. That's a good description of the age in which he lived. During the judges, every man did what was right in his own eyes. That's a good description of the age in which he lived. In the New Testament age the world is predominated and dominated by the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And so that's a good description of our age as well. But here are some words that describe our age. Individualistic. Everybody does what you just do. what You, you do what you want to do. Don't worry about what other people want to do. You do what you want to do. That's typical of our age. Individualism. <laughs> Do what you want to do. Hedonistic. The pursuit of pleasure. For pleasure's sake. Unrestrained pleasure. And of course that's, that's typical of our age isn't it? This pursuit of pleasure. Relativistic. There is no absolute standard of right and wrong. You, you kind of decide what you, what you believe is right and what you believe is wrong. And that might change from situation to situation. Subjectivistic. You decide for yourself your own standard of right and wrong. That's typical of our age. Materialistic. We know what that is. The pursuit of possessions. We live in a highly sexualized age. We see that in the way people dress. I mean just as you go about your everyday life you see that people dressed in a sexualized fashion. Young girls are taught to present themselves in a sexualized way. In our entertainment, in advertising, uh, we say that we live in a sexualized culture. People are self-indulgent. And excess is another word that describes our age and our time. Individualistic, hedonistic, relativistic, subjectivist, materialistic, sexualized self-indulgent to excess all describe our age and our times. So don't be conformed to that. You know what it means to conform? It means to take one thing and and uh, have that thing take on the shape of another. So if we conform ourselves to this world we take on the shape of the world. We look like the world. We talk like the world. We behave like the world. <laughs> there's no difference between us and and the world. Now, you know, Christians are told to conform, but not to the world. Conform to the image of His Son, Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. And so Paul is exhorting us by the mercies of God not to live our lives according to the thoughts and the speech and the behaviors of the world. If the world is self-absorbed, if in the world people are concerned with me and mine... And what I want, if that's the way the world thinks, don't be conformed to that. But take thought for others. You remember Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. He looked out not only for His own personal interest, but for the interests of others. And so if the world is self-absorbed, and we're not going to be conformed to the world, well then, instead of thinking about self and me and mine and what I want all the time, you think of others. If the world pursues unrestrained pleasure and excess and self-indulgence, we need self-control. Don't, don't think like the world. Don't pursue the same things that the world pursues. Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And so we don't get caught up in the pursuit of pleasure. We're not promiscuous, we're holy. We're not, you know, we're, you know, one, one reason that I try to persuade people not to drink is because that's a step toward the world. That's becoming more and more like the world, and we're not to be conformed to the world. And so practice self-control. If the world's standard is relative and subjective, we need to acknowledge God's absolute standard of holiness. Kevin and I were talking about the use of profanity and and, uh, objectionable language in in our podcast. And we noted in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, Let no unwholesome speech proceed out of your mouth. Let none of it, you know. Look at how absolute that is. Let no corrupt speech proceed out of your mouth. And in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, the word of the Lord endures forever. These are not standards that change from time to time and place to place and circumstance to circumstance. The world is relativistic, subjectivistic. And so you decide for yourself what's right and wrong and good and evil. But if we're not going to be conformed to the world we need to acknowledge God's absolute standard of right and wrong. If the world is a sexualized place we need to be godly and pure. Women are encouraged in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold and pearls or costly raiments, but rather by means of good works as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. And so he's addressing women there, you dress in a manner consistent with your claim to godliness. The world is a sexualized place and fashion reflects that. But we're godly people. We're, we're, and we, our way we present ourselves and dress ourselves and the way we talk ought to reflect that godliness. In Ephesians chapter five, Paul tells us not to let any kind of uh, a silly talk or filthiness or coarse jesting be spoken. It's just not fitting," he says. It's, it's just not appropriate for a Christian to speak that way. Now the world speaks in again highly sexual terms but we are people who are godly not conform to the world. In Romans chapter 13 Paul addresses uh, some of the behavior of the world and how it's inconsistent with our calling as Christians let us behave properly as in the day not in carousing and drunkenness not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Simply put, 1 Peter five twenty-two or 1 Timothy 5.22, keep, keep yourself pure. So if the world is self-absorbed, we need to think of others. If the world pursues unrestrained pleasure and excess, we need to practice self-control. If the world's moral standard is relative and subjective, we need to recognize God's absolute standard of right and wrong. If the world is a highly sexualized place, we need to be godly and pure. You see, we cannot offer ourselves to God as a holy sacrifice if we're conformed to the world. It can't be done, can it? No more than a priest could offer a a blind lamb or a lame lamb to the Lord. Just not acceptable. Not acceptable to Him. Well, he goes on. We'll talk about this very quickly. Be transformed, he says. We've been talking about that some. Transform, conform to the image of His Son. We need to undergo a fundamental change. If we have come out of the world, which all of us do, come out of the world, we need to go through a fundamental change in our character so that we become more and more like Christ. How do we do that? Well, it starts in the mind. By the renewing of your mind. It's interesting that in Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about the mind. Remember in that description of the Gentile world, uh, verse 28, as just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. But now he says you have to have a renewed mind. Now you had a depraved mind. But now your mind needs to be changed. It needs to be renewed. Now, how do we do that? How do we change the way we think? <laughs> Seems like a, a pretty, pretty good challenge. Well, first of all, we open ourselves up so that we can receive the leading of Christ. I'm going to listen to what Christ has to say about the way I should think. I'm going to listen to what the Word of God says about the way I should think. Now, if we're listening to the world instead of what God says, our minds are not going to change. And so we've got to open up our mind and be receptive to What God tells us. Have this mind in you, Paul says, which was also in Christ Jesus. In the book of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, we are told to seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And then we know Philippians chapter 4 Whatever is true and honorable, whatever is right and pure, whatever is lovely and of good repute, whatever is morally excellent and praiseworthy, think on these things. And so we have to renew our minds receptive to the leading of Christ and God's Word, eliminate the things that pollute the mind and defile the mind and replace those with things that are excellent and praiseworthy. The mind is the battleground. If our mind or our heart is filled with the features of our age, then our actions will be like most others around us. But if our minds have been renewed, if we think like Christ, then our behavior will be holy like His was holy. And when we present ourselves to God, present our bodies as living holy sacrifices, they'll be acceptable. And once we're able to do that... (laughs) See, once we renew our mind, we're then able to prove what the will of God is. Here we are, we're we're faced with a choice. We can go this direction or that direction or the other direction. Seems like everybody at school does this or everybody at work does this. But see, when we renew our mind and we think the way the Lord thinks, then we can make a good choice between this action and that action. It really doesn't matter what the world is doing because we don't think like the world anymore anyway. (laughs) We've got a new mind and we're making new decisions and we're making decisions that are in harmony with God's will. And so we can live in harmony with Him. When we understand what the will of God is, hey, that's great. That's fine with us. We've got no problems with that. Just tell me what you want me to do. I'll do it. And we're living then in a way that's acceptable to God. You see, the old man will not permit us to seek the will of God. We don't have the right set of values with which to make a good, a good decision, to decide what God wants us to do. It just wouldn't be possible to make godly decisions consistently with the old mind and the old way of thinking. But to have a new mind, a new way of thinking to be able to determine what's right and wrong. And so our goal, our task, as priests of God. We've all become priests when we become Christians. Our task is to present our bodies, to present ourselves to God as living in holy sacrifices. You can't be conformed to the world and do that. We have to have a different way of looking at things and be transformed so that we know what the will of God is and that we can make decisions that result in being a holy sacrifice And acceptable to God. That's our responsibility as Christians, as recipients of the gospel. We love the blessings. We love the idea of being reconciled to God and our sins being washed away. But with great blessing comes great responsibility. And you can't receive the blessing without taking on the responsibility. They come together. It's a package deal. And so may each one of us determine today, I'm going to be less and less conformed to the world and more and more transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I'll I'll know how to live to be acceptable to God. In 1758, Robert Robinson wrote a song entitled, O Thou Fount of Every Blessing. You know that song, O Thou Fount of Every Blessing. The second verse begins this way. It's my favorite verse in the song. The second verse begins this way. O oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. I've received God's grace. What does that do for me? Does it a lot, of, a lot of great blessings but see it's made me a debtor. I owe God something because of the way he's blessed me through his grace and I owe him myself but I can only he'll only accept that if I'm offering to him a living and holy sacrifice. Let's pray together. Our Father in Heaven, we're thankful for the opportunity to meet together today and worship You. We pray that what we've done today has been pleasing to You. Father, we are thankful. It's, It's not possible for us to put into words our gratitude to You for the gift of Your Son, that He came to earth and He made the necessary sacrifice to atone for our sin so that we might be reconciled to You and have the hope of eternal life. We're thankful that in Him is every spiritual blessing that we enjoy. We're thankful for that. Our gratitude cannot be measured. Help us, Father, to take on the responsibilities of people that have been reconciled to You. Help us, Father, as we present our bodies to You each day that we will become more and more holy as we present ourselves. It will be less and less like the world around us, transformed in the renewing of our mind to think and act more and more like Christ Himself. Our Father, only in this way will we be acceptable to You. And Father, we pray that as people see us living in this way, that they'll understand the solution to their problem their sin problem. And they'll come uh, to, uh, to honor you through Christ as well. It's a daily task, Father. It's a lifelong task. We pray your patience and pray for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and not a Christian, you have an opportunity